The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hello, happy... Is it Tuesday, right? Tuesday. I wasn't sure, dude. I mean, this week, like during college football basketball season, like my weeks are just blurred. It's it's all just one one big blur to me. Your life is a blur. (laughs) Easy. Yes, that's true. No need to throw shots at me, though. Uh, Hey, everybody. Good afternoon. I'm Audrey Salveson. John Russell's on the other side. Eric Franson is gone, not dead, alive, but not forgotten. He'll be joining me back tomorrow, but today I get the uh, the better of the scraps. I get uh, John Russell in with me here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, the fan, 402, or actually 401 is your kickoff time. Uh, you've heard some comments on Antonio Brown. We're going to get into that a little bit more. USU men's basketball has released their non-conference, or I guess their schedule almost as a whole. Minus two games are yet to be determined at home in December. They'll figure that out, and we'll announce those games when they do as well. Uh, we also we want to get some, some NFL news. We've got college football we want to talk about. Utah State's on their bye week. They get ready for the Aztecs of San Diego State next week. Uh, we'll get into some of that. Uh, we've we've got uh, Coach Finkbeiner, the USU women's head basketball coach, is going to join us, and he'll uh, talk about the upcoming season. We're going to ask him uh, some uh, questions about the season, the team, but the subtraction of the team as well. Some of your, the better players continue to leave the university, and fans want to know why, and that's what we're going to ask them. Uh, We've got so much to get into in such a little amount of time to do so, and don't forget, USA, France, Gobert, Mitchell, tomorrow morning, 6.30 a.m., you can find it on ESPN+, Plus if you feel like spending money, uh, (laughs) to to, to watch them duke it out. Uh, Winner will advance to the semifinals versus most likely Serbia. Uh, John? Welcome back, man. Good to have you. Always a pleasure. You know, it's, Good to be here. It's always a bonus. In fact, it's more than a bonus when you can get uh, rid of Eric and get you in studio. I always feel like that's a win-win for me. Why, why are you throwing shots at Eric? He's, you know, why am I throwing shots at you? don't listen to our show. By the way, do you you still owe me. I don't owe you. For the, I'm not for the paying pick you. Six. No, I don't. The, I'm in here one week. I'm not paying you, you because a half a tackle was made. Oh, I ain't no. I ain't when, doing it. When is a win? So I don't care. I ain't doing it. Where do we start? There, there are so many. Is this oh, not the best time of year I, if no, you're a sports fan? I would absolutely agree with you on that. A hundred percent. Uh, agree with you on that. This is you got college football, NFL football. September's gearing up for October, mm-hmm. uh, and there's still some wild. By the way, under the radar, wild races going on for that wild card, yep. and some really good baseball by some of the best teams. I'm talking to you, Astros. I'm talking to you, Yankees. I'm talking to you, Dodgers. Yeah. I mean, there is some great baseball that's being played on both sides. Uh, I don't know. I mean, John, look, I, I think you're October, coming back. I think October is the best. Is it? Because we don't have basketball. We got the FIBA World Cup tournament, which, you know. It's, well, you have NBA preseason that starts October 2nd. That's really. what I'm saying. October is when, when it really – because then you've got pro and college football. You have baseball. You have NBA, hockey, soccer. It's it's all happening and uh, and but this uh, such a good time of year and and uh, no I don't I, you, to answer your question I don't listen to you AJ it's just you know as a matter of fact I thought I was going to be on air with AJ night and uh, 
Yeah, dude, didn't realize it was you. Wrong hour of the morning, man. No, wrong, wrong, wrong hour guy. of the morning. So I guess, but I'm here, so I'm going to suck it up and 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 be a professional and and do my best here to work. Be a yeah. professional and just do it. <laughs> Good night. Hey, let, let's talk some football. Oh uh, uh, yeah, do you want to start NFL or college? Oh, Isn't that yeah, a fun question so, to ask? Such a great question to ask. So, because um, we haven't I, got a chance to really pick your brain, you do a great job with USU men's basketball pre and post uh, six ten KVNU on the You are incredible to listen to to watch to listen to break down a game. Like nobody else can after a game is is so fun to listen to you for, uh yeah well, I mean do, what, uh, yeah where do you want to start well let's uh let's start with a little college football and real the first true schedule you know they they have the whole week zero I don't get that that's kind of you know whatever but the last week Saturday Sunday or Friday Saturday Sunday. No, Friday, Saturday. Stop me. You're just letting me flounder here. Uh, what are your takes after that first, first week of, uh, of college football? What stood out to you? Uh, Aggies, man, we saw what we expected to see. Yeah, uh, Aggies 1-1, one and one, a heartbreaking loss to Wake Forest. I want to ask you really quickly about that. I know that's two weeks ago. We should move on, move forth, and get ready for conference. Uh, but really quickly, i, I got to ask you this because we haven't had a chance to get your thoughts. Um, this... This team, it's almost like rewind and push play again when it comes to these big P5 games. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's I'm not bagging on the team. I'm just saying the way the ball bounces just never goes the Aggies' way. It never does. We should have beat Wisconsin, Auburn. Oklahoma? I put USC on that list, yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, and, and you add Michigan State to that list, you can put now Wake Forest on there, too. And I think Wake Forest is one of the more heartbreaking ones just based on, you know, you you take away one of the interceptions that Love threw, turn that into a field goal or a touchdown, and you win that you ball win, game. Yeah, yeah, it, it's tough. But you know the the thing that I'm wondering is that in a way, and as painful as it was, in a way, was that loss not a good loss to get out of the way and to be able to say, okay, you know, all those expectations of an undefeated season, all those expectations of you know eleven and two, or you know something like that put them out because if you, if you watched LSU by the way that that is one oh scary my freaking scary machine. looking team I knew they'd be good but that what they're doing the teams is just flat out dominating them and by the way they have a bye week before they play Utah yeah. State meanwhile Utah State gets San Diego State on the road and then Colorado State who has an absolute vengeance to embarrass the Aggies. They want to after last year's crazy Aggie win uh, in Boulder. Yeah, Is, is Colorado, Colorado State Springs. in your mind now maybe maybe one of the top rivalries? Actually, I don't want to say rivalries, but the team you look on the schedule that kind of scares you. I mean, no. Boise is the team no. we want to beat. Sure. I don't know. I, I disagree with you because okay. I think Colorado State is a team that no matter how good they are, how bad they are, we seem to struggle with them. No, I and I'm with you. I think Wyoming still scares the heck out of me. Yeah, because no matter who's at Wyoming, no matter who's playing there, they almost they always seem. And you know, you can put Colorado State on this regard too. Yeah, but they always seem to give the Aggies fits, no matter what, and no matter who's on their roster, they always figure out yeah. a way to make life hard for the Aggies on the football field. Saw it last year. Yeah, I mean that was oh, a team that was a physical and, and they, game. They just. They came and made it ugly, which Odd is bounces, what they wanted dude. to do. Weird bounces, but, but yeah, I'm with you. Colorado State mm. is one of those teams that can do that. 
And uh, but but man, we, it's so easy to get sidetracked right now. There's so many things going on. But but getting back to this game, I'm in a way almost glad. Well, I don't want to say glad, but kind of they lost to Wake Forest. Would have loved to have beaten them. Would have loved to have been able to say, "Hey, we got that P5 win. We did what we wanted to gather a little momentum." But in a way, it's like, okay, we can put that behind us now, and now let's focus on what's most important, which is getting out there and winning the Mountain West Championship. And that starts in two weeks. Uh, Aggies have a bye this week, but in in you know a week from Saturday or is it yep. Friday Saturday? San Diego State, who beat UCLA, who's a bad football team, by the way. Yeah, they are not a good team. Uh, if you watch their game against Cincinnati last week, any thoughts that maybe San Diego State came in and blew them up, blew up UCLA? No, that that's a bad football team. But then San Diego State, I mean, their They're season opener, tough. Weber State, six nothing. Yeah, six nothing against Weber State. Yeah, I mean, I know Jay Hill's a great coach. Don't get me wrong. But you're San Diego State, and you're a team that's supposed to be second in your division in the Mountain West, and you you barely scrape by Weber State. You do beat UCLA, but like you said, Chip Kelly and what they got going on is they are running backwards, and it's and they can't stop the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in huge trouble. Uh, so yeah, you're right. I, I think, but I still think playing at San Diego State still scares me. It's, it's going to be tough, but you know, in a way, I'm glad we've got the bye week this week. I, you know, like you said, LSU's got the bye week before we go there to play them. That's going to be rough. But I like this bye week because it gives Coach A a chance to sit down and say, one, okay, guys, two games out of the way. We've seen the good. We've seen the bad. We've seen the ugly. Let's let's take what we can from those games, digest it work it out and then turn around and put take get rid of all the bad stuff and let's start out our Mountain West Conference schedule with a big W on the road against a team that that's always given us fits. I'm I'm yeah. I'm all right yeah. with it. I'm a, I'm all right with it and the other thing is I I always like to, you know, if you're a coach and a kid has a tough game, that's a teaching experience. It's not, you know, so so Jordan Love should be sitting there saying, yeah, I threw through three picks. What am I going to learn out of it? Am I, am I sulking in the corner and going, oh, man, that really sucked. I kind of blew it. Or am I saying, you know what? I should have known better. And next time I will, and I won't make that mistake. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with where the Aggies are at right now. Uh, am, am, I, am I you know totally satisfied that we're, we're all set? No, I want to see that win against the Aztecs. Because uh, that's that's a tough team to play. Regardless, uh, you talk about only a six nothing win. Yeah, they sh- they shut down a Weber offense that's always been pretty prolific. By the way, we did need to mention in regards of Mountain West Conference football, they have announced their players of the week. Uh, it's Hawaii senior wide receiver JoJo Ward uh, and defensive San Diego State linebacker Kayiva Tenzino. Yeah, let's go with that. Uh, JoJo was in a 38-21, or excuse me, 31-28 win over Oregon State. Set career highs in the receptions, 10. Receiving yards, 189. And touchdowns, 4. That would do it for you. Yep. Uh, the four receiving touchdowns it ties a single-game record for the Mountain West. Recorded touchdown catches of 29, 35, 5, and 29. Uh, the 29-yard touchdown, by the way, is what tied the game at 28. He averaged 18.9 yards per catch. That's he had three bad. touchdowns in the first half alone. 
good. But, but yet, uh, David Woodward doesn't get uh, Player of the Week. Yeah, with- yeah, I don't know. Don't do that. <laughs> I, I will swear. I know there's FCC rules, and I will break them right now. I swear to life, uh, I will. You, you got the dump button, so it, it'll be on you. So Tenzino of San Diego State for the linebacker led San Diego State defense that held UCLA to just 14 points. That's not really that hard. In a nine-point victory uh, on Saturday afternoon, he recorded nine tackles, uh, had seven solo uh one and a half sacks for a loss, one sack and one forced fumble. But the forced fumble, the first of his career. Uh and the Aztecs limited UCLA to just two hundred and sixty one yards of total offense. So let me ask you, reading that, is San Diego State defense that good or is UCLA's offense that bad? No, I think the defense is is that good. Uh just going back to what they did to Weber to shut shut him out. Not just shut him down, shut him out. That's a that is a good defense and, and it's gonna be a great test. It's going to be a great opportunity to see what what the Aggie offense is all about. Somebody's, you know, we're going to need to see people stepping up. We're going to need to see people having big time, legit games. And uh, if they can get that, they can win. This is this is not a team that you know. If they win at San Diego State, it's going to be like, oh, it was a good win. They got lucky. They they put no. This is an offense that can do the trick. Yeah, the Aggie offense. The defense, we know what the defense is all about. San Diego State's about as opposite as you can get when you look at, if they were to look at themselves in a mirror. They are dead last in scoring offense, dead last in rushing offense. They're, they're second in scoring defense, and they are first in rushing defense. In regards to pass offense, they're ninth in the Western or Mountain West Conference, but in on total offense, they're ninth as well. Total defense, they're second. Pass defense, they're second. Like this team. Is I mean, defensively, like you said, I think that proves your point too. That this team defensively is up to the uh, up to the challenge, but offensively, they they got a lot of crap to figure out when they lost their running back from last year. Well, what surprises me is you said they they were last in in rushing offense. Mm-hmm. I know. Sorry. Uh, yeah. I yeah. mean, that's the, the, we're talking about a, a team that's you know Marshall Falk, uh, Ladainian and Tomlinson. Oh my god! I mean, they they've. That's been that. their bread and butter forever. Uh, who was it? They they just had another guy that that went nuts. Yeah, who was the a guy? Penny last... was it? Penny. Anyway, it Penny. I, I mean they they that's what they have lived off of. So I I wouldn't be looking into that. Uh, maybe they just ran up against some teams that that played tough uh, run defense. But uh, you know, good game. And uh, again, Aggies have the week off, so uh, you and Eric will have plenty of time to dive into that next week. Uh, but uh, no, I'm I'm happy with where they're at. Uh, let me ask you, John. This Mount West Conference uh, has been actually pretty impressive so far in the first two weeks of the season. Of the all the conferences that have the most P five uh, wins against P five teams, you want to guess what conference that is? Mount West six. Yeah, six wins from the Mount West Conference versus P five teams is the most so far out of any conference, Power Five or non. It should have been. Seven. In the country. Should have been set. Yeah, let's... Oh, God, don't mention <laughs> that, man. Uh, so, with that regard, um, when you look at this Mountain West, what teams stand out to you so far? Ooh, that's, that, that's a good question. And and uh, it's hard to tell at this point because you, you've had some good wins. Uh, Wyoming, you know, they, Wyoming always scares me. You know, and anytime you have to go to Laramie, especially, that that really worries me. Uh, I think that basically, other than the bottom level teams, so you know, you know, I'm the big Arizona guy. I came from Tucson. Uh, Hawaii's win, although good over a Pac-12 team, 
why Arizona's bad. So, you know, you have to look at, you know, some of those wins and, and who they got them. But as far as, you know, as far as what the rest of the Mountain West can do, you've got good teams that I think everybody's going to be a little better other than maybe San Jose. San Jose's just, they, they've got problems. I don't know if they're ever going to get any good. But I think that, that, you know, a lot of excitement coming into this year. But you look at Nevada. You look yeah, at. Yeah, Nevada's tough. You know, they're going to be tough. Fresno's going to be tough. Boise is Boise. They're the favorite until somebody knocks them down. By the way, and Eric and I talked about this yesterday, but man, Boise's weird. They score what thirty six versus Florida State in Tallahassee, and then at home can only muster fourteen points with that final seven coming in the second quarter versus Marshall at home. Yeah, but look what Florida State did. Yeah, I mean they turn around, they they lost as well. Uh, so. Yeah, it's tough. But, you know, as, as much as we talk about that, I mean, look what Nevada did. Is Oregon that good? 77 to 6, you know, they they just absolutely crush uh Nevada. Are they that good? Yeah. Um Fresno it would have been nice to see them beat Minnesota. They didn't get the win. Oh, they um, should have too. Gosh, dang it. Yeah. Uh and, and then oh, I forgot about UNLV, but I think most everybody forgets as, about yeah, UNLV we, as I, right. Oh, oh San Jose so. State still in the conference? I yeah. didn't know. Yeah. Uh, move on. When you know, I, and I agree with you. This Mount West Conference is about as loaded as you could ask for. And the unfortunate part, if you're Utah State, well, at least fans for Utah State, uh, is that that loaded part of the schedule or that loaded part of the conference is who you play against. San Diego State on the road, Colorado State at home, Wyoming at home, Boise State at home. Uh, you have Air Force on the road, Nevada at home, Fresno on the road. Uh, it I and I think we talked about it in the pre uh in our pre show prep. I love what you said. Like the easiest part of their schedule has just come and gone, and it You're, was one week only. Yeah, it was a one week, uh, you know, one week little vacation. And I mean, if you want to count the bye week, sure, it's two weeks. And now you've got San Diego State on the road, Colorado State at home, LSU on the road, a bye week. Before you get Nevada at home, Air Force at Air Force. That's October 26th. That means you go into November and face BYU, Wyoming, Fresno State on the road, and then at Boise, or no, excuse me, Boise State at home. That's the rest of your schedule before you go face New Mexico at New Mexico, which should be a cakewalk if you're still alive by then. Well, that's that's the unfortunate thing is, is the Aggies, you know, this, a lot of hope and expectation coming into this year, but this is going to be the toughest Mountain West schedule uh, that they've run into, and we wanted it. I mean, let's face yeah, it. Yeah, we begged. Yeah, you know, we, this is something that that we're grateful to have. We're glad that we have this, uh, but the reality is, is that uh, there there are no off weeks. You know, yeah, there might be bye weeks, but you don't have a UNLV, you don't have a San Jose where you're going to be able to say, okay, that's one that we gum in. Come in. If we execute like we can, we should be good to go. We'll even get some of the backup some time. Uh, th- this is a tough season. And, uh, you know, you, you just look at the games that occurred. I mean, you, you talked about, you know, who who impressed me in the Mountain West. Uh, you have your haves and you have your have-nots. UNLV, San Jose, New Mexico, yeah, you're, you're not going to get much any of the, out of any of those. But any of the other teams that are, that are there, they've shown that they can come in and beat you. Wyoming's done it, uh, you know. Nevada, yeah, they they got crushed by Oregon, but uh, who they beat the week before? Kind of missed, forgot that. Who's that? Uh, Nevada. Uh, they beat Purdue. They beat Purdue. 
You know, these are big wins. So they're showing that, you know, they can play. Uh, Aggies got their hands full. All right. Let's, uh, let's go to a break. We still got a ton to get through in this first hour alone. Again, Coach Finkbeiner will join us, USU women's uh, head basketball coach. A lot to ask him as they get ready for the season up ahead. Speaking of uh, USU basketball, men's have released their schedule. They still have two games slate uh, for their home portion in December. Uh, but we'll get you into the schedule. We'll break down the schedule with none other than John Russell, who does your pre and post on 610KVNU after every game and before every game. He does a great job with it. Uh, coming up next, though, on the Full Court Press... And on what did or didn't happen there? Well, it's pretty. I Bill. I just wanted to ask you. Didn't happen there. Well, it's pretty well documented in both places that he was pretty disruptive. What makes you confident that he won't be that way here? That's the same thing you said about Randy Moss when we got brought him in. So. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, The Fan. John Russell, AJ Salas, and 425, your time here in the second segment of the Full Court Press, first hour. Grateful to have you wherever and however you are joining us on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Don't forget... If you are sitting next to your computer, uh, you can stream us on 106.9thefan.com. If you missed the entirety of the show or if you want to hear the bits and parts of the show, uh, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all podcast platforms. Uh, You can type in John's name. Uh, You can't hear me. I can't hear you. It's not my fault. Just your your little, uh, what's it called? Attachment. All right. Keep going. If you're good, we're good. That's not my fault. There you go. I can hear you now. Yeah, of course you can. Selective hearing, John Russell. That's that's always the best. John uh, Russell and AJ Knight. Oh wait, no. You, <laughs> I'll kick you out. I'm gonna have to talk. I'll to do Eric. this on my own. I see. I think Eric did that on purpose because he, he knew if if I was gonna come in and you were gonna be here, who still owes me from the pick six. Oh, I'll, I'll make sure AJ pays up. I'll make yeah. sure he pays up. Uh, he Coach would, Belichick a did a, a uh, his conference call, his weekly conference call. Uh, of course, a majority of the questions spawned around Antonio Brown and why would you take him in here? And this whole issue of, well, this guy's a clown, he's selfish, he's arrogant. And it brought to mind another receiver that the Patriots took in some years ago. And Bill was asked about that. And from Tom Curran of NBCSports.com, asked him the question. And so here's a question. Here's the answer, and we'll break it down from there. Hi, Bill. I just wanted to ask you about Antonio Brown right off the uh, bat. Uh, the team made it official yesterday. Oh, frick. Wrong. Um, Hold on. And was it difficult for you to there reconcile what he was coming off last week in Oakland with bringing him aboard? Um, so, really quickly, I'm going to just have to break down this question because this thing <laughs> keeps restarting on me. I hate this. Tom uh, asked him, you know, based on the things that have already gone on with his issues in Pittsburgh and in Oakland, is that an issue for Coach Belichick? Did or didn't happen there? Well, it's pretty well documented in both places. And was it difficult for you to reconcile what he was coming off last week in Oakland with bringing him aboard? Yeah, well, I wasn't either one of those places, so I really can't comment on what did or didn't happen there. 
Well, it's pretty well documented in both places that he was pretty disruptive. What makes you confident that he won't be that way here? That's the same thing you said about Randy Moss when we got brought him in. So, me <laughs> collectively. <laughs> Uh, uh, that is Bill Belichick in his conference call. I'm sorry for the audio issues. That's my bad. Uh, again, Bill was asked, or excuse me, Coach was asked about, you know, his his issues have been well documented, whether it was in Pittsburgh or especially in Oakland. And, you know, and Bill's like, well, I, I didn't coach there. I wasn't there at all. So I can't talk about what he did or didn't do there. And then that's when Tom brings up, well, everybody already knows about it. So obviously you have... You have some knowledge, and uh, of course he brings up one of the greatest receivers to ever play in the game of football, Randy the Freak Moss, who was in Minnesota, uh, torched his uh, torched the bridge there, mm-hmm. went to Oakland, set that thing ablaze, mm-hmm. and then from Oakland, ironically, he went from Oakland to New England, and New England got, got him and sent a bag of chips and a 20-ounce soda to Oakland to get him. That's how eager... Oakland was to get rid of the guy. And Randy Moss in 07 with Tom Brady in his prime turns in 23 touchdowns, which was a record. And then in a season, set the record in yards. So, John, my question to you is, does this turn into Randy Moss-esque 07 or is this a bigger problem? Well, here, here's the way I look at it. And, it, and it's pretty simple. Um, Antonio Brown. If you're listening, which I know you're a regular listener of the Full Court Press, but if you're out there today, maybe you're prepping, maybe you're having having some dinner with uh, Giselle right now, because I think didn't Brady offer him to let him stay at his place while he's got settled? Maybe they're all hanging around playing Yahtzee or Farkle or something like that. I don't know. They're hanging out. Dude. You are going to only be as good as you want to be with this team. And I think you saw that Sunday night. Uh, as much as I hate to have to bring this up with you here, AJ, um, <laughs> the Patriots just shellacked the Steelers. Ugly, ugly game. Uh, it wasn't even as close as the score indicated. It, it was It was one of the most precise, well-played football games I've, I've ever seen in what they did. I think what the Patriots did right there is they sent a little message to Antonio Brown saying, dude, we're good. You will make us even better, but we are really, really good without you. And if you're not going to conform, if you're not going to do the things we want you to do, if you're not going to play the way we want you to play, if you're not going to be live the Patriot way, you can just sit on the end of the bench and we'll continue to go out and throttle other teams like this. And if you really want to make a stink out of it, we'll just release you and we'll pay you $10 million, which in NFL terms is not a big deal. Robert Kraft will just pull out his little checkbook and write the check off and away he'll go. And that will be essentially the end of Brown's career. Somebody will pick him up because he's way too talented. But if he really wants to be something, a part of something special, he's got to recognize that he needs to come in and do it the Patriot way. If not, they don't need him. I'm with you. I think the the show that New England put on Sunday night was a message to Antonio Brown. Yeah. Was, hey, look, what we just did was without you. So if you come in and have your little antics and your shenanigans, 
Get out. We don't we'll still you. average 35 points a game without you, buddy. Yeah. All the talk about, you know, how Josh Gordon, you know, was, was going to be the guy here. Julian Edelman still had six receptions for 83 yards. Good heck. Gordon still, he did, he had a great game. Three receptions, 44-yard touchdown reception, three three catches for 73 yards. But then you have Philip Dorsey. And this is the thing about the Patriots. Every year they have a different guy. Every year, every game, it seems like a different guy steps up. Philip Dorsett, two touchdowns on four receptions, uh, 95 yards. Four targets, four receptions, two touchdowns. I mean, that that's a phenomenal game. You got James White and Rex Bur- uh, Burkhead coming out of the backfield. They get five five catches each. This is a scary good team. Now, for all you Steelers fan, I, I don't I've, I don't want you getting upset at me. My good friend David Butterfield, he's he's been in mourning because of this game. Keep in mind what happened to the Patriots last year in their first game. You remember? Oh yeah, they got Titan, sh- Titans. Yeah, shellac. just beat them up. I think they won by like 21, three touchdowns, something like that. So the season's not over. I got smashed over. after. I don't remember. <laughs> so, you know, we're the end of year season, or excuse me, game one of the season. Don't don't be writing teams off, but I think the Patriots sent a very strong message, not only to the rest of the NFL, but to Antonio Brown as well, saying, dude, you better be ready to come and be a part of the team. We're not going to put up with it. Well, they are all in on Antonio Brown as the Patriots have announced that they are trading wide receiver Demarius Thomas in the division to the New York Jets. Yeah. Now, wow. hold on. Two things. One, by the way, they get a 2021 six-round pick out of that trade. One, they got Demarius as a free agent. So they not only took Demarius as a free agent, they then turned around and got a pick for it. Mm-hmm. So that tells you three things. One... They're all in on ten, uh, all in on Antonio Brown. Two, the New York Jets suck so bad that they need a receiver who is not even hundred percent healthy right now. And three, that there might have been something wrong with Demarius Thomas the whole entire time, and it wasn't going to get fixed. Also, with an addition to that, uh, the New York Jets are the final team in the trade bucket, uh, the trade bucket list for the uh, for Bill Belichick, which means Bill Belichick has now made a trade since two thousand has made a trade with every single team in the NFL since 2000. Well, love love them or hate them, you know, you've got to respect the the program. You've got to respect the organization and what they've done. And, uh, you know, after week one, you got to look at it. They're the team to beat. And, And that's the question. What did you learn after week one of NFL play? Or did you learn anything? No, sure, we learned a lot. We, we figured out that Cleveland really does suck at everything. <laughs> uh, we learned that uh, Miami's about as fake as you can get. That even you know when they're under Bill Belichick's tutelage, they can go out and experience, but it just turns out to be worse than they thought. Uh, I'm talking to you, Mr. Brian Flores, who got just smacked around by the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Uh, we learned that uh, I think the Steelers are still a good football team, and I think they're going to be in the playoffs. I still think that. I think the Steelers are really good. Yeah. They just happened to run into a machine of a of a New England Patriots football team who is still awaiting their best receiver to make his way onto the team this Sunday versus, by the way, at Miami. Um, you like that on the schedule? That's that's uh, that's something. No, that, I hate yeah. it. I hate going to Miami this early, dude. You know what? Because New England already has problems going to Miami and winning there. That I mean, that is like going to Denver. New England Patriots have a losing record at the following two places in the NFL since the Tom Brady-Bill Belichick era. Denver and Miami. 
Well, I'll tell you what, right now, since you already owe me for the pick six. Oh, give me I'll a break. New I'm not England. freaking rewarding you for half take, a tackle. I will no, take you're not New taking England. crap. I will take New England over Miami. I will give you that one since you're so anti-New uh, England in Miami. Or are we? Are we is that <laughs> Don't you remember? No, look, I just remember like that whole, I mean, you just know it's a cursed thing. Yeah. Like Utah State going to, I mean, think well, of them the going whole to Wyoming, Boise. Like we were just talking about yeah, Wyoming, Wyoming and, and Colorado State. I mean, dude, State. we were... We were five seconds or 10 seconds and 70 yards away from beating Miami last year. And then two laterals later, 70 yards later, and one Miss Gronkowski lack of effort tackle <laughs> later, Miami wins on a lateral 70 yards away. Like, what the takes. crap, man? I'm telling you, I just, I hate Miami. And so going to Miami still scares me, even with Antonio Brown. I still think it works. I don't know how long it works. It might work for six games this season. It might work for one season. It might work for two and a half. And then Antonio's like, you know what? I miss my Snapchat. I miss my rants. I miss my, you know, my whole entire tirades. I, I need to go off on some. And he's going to do it. It's going to tick the Patriots off. They're going to say, here's your case. Here's your money. Get out of here and go to Cleveland and deal with that drama. Uh, they don't need him. Him and OBJ. Yeah, no, no. According to Sunday, they need him. <laughs> According well, to Sunday. Well, we'll, we'll, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. I, I think for me though, what I, the, the thing that made me happiest about him going to the Patriots about uh, Antonio Brown is that one of two things is ha- going to happen. I, I'm tired of hearing about him because it's, this is a team game and, and, you know, football is about 11 guys, both sides of the ball. Uh, doing their best, coming together and get getting the W, and that's what you see with the best teams. One of two things is going to happen: he's going to either come in and totally buy into everything, and he's going to have an all-pro type of season, and everybody will say, you know, Belichick was able to get him under control, or he's going to disappear. And uh, and either way, I just don't want to hear from him. You know what I learned from the first week of the NFL? There's several things that I learned. One, Patrick Mahomes. Dude is the real deal. When he's not throwing no-look passes 20 yards over Kelsey's head. Uh, one, yeah, but you know that he heard about that one. The guy is the real deal. He is legit. Uh, number two, uh, the other thing that I learned is that uh, Bobby Wagner is the best linebacker in the NFL. Better than anybody else that might play on another Sorry, team. Sorry, Kyle, like, I know I was dealing with uh, uh, the delivery of his uh, child that he can go there and dominate Pittsburgh. Because he, he knew... That he would be, oh, just be overdone. Break. And uh, move on. Mitchell Trubisky, Bears need to find another quarterback. I'm a Bears <laughs> fan. Man, Trubisky is just, oh, he is man. not the answer there. And number four, I guess that'd be three. So number four just goes to show how uh, tenuous the NFL is. Uh, you look at Nick Foles, oh, my did gosh. amazing things. In Philadelphia, filling in for Carson Wentz, who had a good game. Carson Wentz does get the W for his team. Comeback win over. Comeback win, so good for him. But but here, Foles finally gets a chance to go in, and uh, what ends up happening on a touchdown throw, he gets thrown to the ground, breaks his collarbone. Out indefinitely. It just goes to show that the good NFL teams are going to be the ones that not only have that stellar starting quarterback, but they got the good backup to uh, come in because, I mean, who's going to play a whole season? 
So here's my next question for you, Mr. Patriot. Why was why is Brady in in the fourth quarter when the game's all said and done? Oh, dude, they rarely ever take him out. I mean, unless well, it's a kneel down. I don't know. That's just something they've always been about. They rarely ever take him out. It's just, and you know what? A lot of teams don't. A lot of teams don't take out their starting quarterback. It's just something that they don't do. See, I think they need to learn that. So coming out of week one, who's your, uh, if you were to pick somebody to win it all um, other than the Patriots? I know you do the Patriots. Just ask your damn question. So when you have a kid, if it's a boy, are you going to name him Brady? No, I'm going to name him Thomas Brady. Bill William Belichick. (laughs) Selvis. Knight. (laughs) I'm going to name him Seven Rings. (laughs) And then change his name every year. Uh, You know, I I think Kansas City is an absolute legit threat. They scare the absolute heck out of me as a Patriots fan. And I think on the other side, Dallas looked Yes, they Great did. against New York. Yes, they did. They looked locked, loaded, and ready to go for the 2019 football season. By the way, and another thing I want to point out from this, this week one, last night, good for Taysom Hill. That guy went through so much. I mean, here at BYU, his season-ending knee injury, had that rough season. People wanted to dog him and ditch him out of here and get rid of him, move on to Tanner Magum, and they saw how that worked out. Uh, Taysom Hill has been something special. And for New Orleans, and and is turning into much more valuable uh, than than they could have ever imagined. I I love what Taysom's doing for the New Orleans Saints. That's yeah. that's turned out to be a heck of a draft pick for them. Yeah. Oh yeah. And he's they keep saying that even though they picked up uh, Tony Bridgewater, Taysom Hill is the future after Drew Brees finally decides to retire, whenever that may be. Yeah. I got to go back to your comment though on Dallas. Dallas looked good. Ezekiel Elliott. 10 or 13 carries, 53 yards. He averaged about four yards a carry. But I think that had to do more with uh, Dak and his play. 25 for 32, 405 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. He throws like that. You could put me in the backfield and I'd be getting four yards a carry. The, the, the guy was phenomenal. He played really well. My pick, though, after week one, and, and you know, obviously this changes Minnesota Vikings. I think mm. you're going to sneak up on some people. They played. You know, I, I know a lot of folks here in Cache Valley, there aren't a lot of Vikings fans, but they played a very good uh, uh, Atlanta Falcons team with a really good offense with Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, uh, uh, Freeman, I think is their running back. They they did a really good job shutting them down. I, I have a feeling they're going to, there's going to be a lot of focus on Dallas. There's going to be a lot of focus on Philadelphia. Um, you know, what are those teams able to do? And I think that slowly, you know, they're just going to kind of sneak up on somebody, Minnesota that is, and uh, they're, they're going to show who they are. All right, we got to take a break. Coming back, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, France, USA, winner meets in the semifinals versus most likely Serbia. We're going to give you our keys to the game for a USA win to move on. It's John Russell, I'm Ajay Salveson, Eric, gone, not dead, alive but not forgotten. 106 on the fan, 1390 a.m. The new home for the full court press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. All 
AJ Salveson, John Russell, 445, your time here on September 10th. It's a Tuesday. 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Grateful for however and wherever you are joining us from. Remember, 1069thefan.com, you can stream us. And then we're on all podcast platforms. You can type in John's name, my name, or the Full Court Press. You can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and, uh, and listen to the whole entirety of the show if you missed anything. Uh... Tomorrow at 6.30 a.m. again on ESPN Plus, you can find the France versus USA. Uh, this is uh, this is expected to be one of the bigger challenges that Team USA has seen since the exhibition. Uh, and that's not even the biggest challenge because when they get to Serbia, that is without question, without regard, to be their biggest challenge. Is out of all the teams, not Spain, not Turkey, not Australia, Serbia. To be the problem. But this France team presents a lot of issues that Team USA really hasn't had to deal with that much. And, and John, when I look at it, it starts with the big men down low, such as Rudy Gobert. Yeah, this is a good basketball team. And what's been great about this tournament, there, there's been a lot of, you know, it's just the FIBA tournament. It's not a big deal. This is a big deal. Basketball is huge worldwide now. And, and, and I think you're really seeing that. Uh, with what's coming up against France, this is going to be a big matchup, quarter uh, quarterfinal play. So uh, they're they're at a point now where you know they've got to win. There there's no bracket play anymore. They've got to get the W. And uh, you're you've now you're going up against guys that are used to NBA style of play. They they get the game. Uh, yeah, this is a uh, you know it, it, it's a tournament, a worldwide tournament. But these are guys know that know how to play the NBA game and are not going to be intimidated by seeing guys like Kimball Walker and Donovan uh, Mitchell coming out on the court. Yeah, that's the thing is with with Serbia, you're going to get a physical want to beat the heck out of you in the backcourt. They are, I mean, in your grill for most of that game, and it they're they're handsy with you too. Uh, France, I thought would be kind of the same, but after watching a little film on them, they're not as much, but they're very quick on defense. They can get back very quickly in transition. They get in position. They play Simon defense. They're very disciplined. Um, this is, I mean, again, it's going to be a huge challenge for them. And then the big men, like we've already talked about, Rudy Gobert presents a challenge for guys like Mason Plumlee or Miles Turner. Those guys haven't played someone like Rudy Gobert, who's your back-to-back defending player or defensive player of the year in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the question I have here is where do you need the production the most backcourt or your big men? Where are you looking for the most production to be able to get you a win? Well, as much as I love Rudy and we all love Rudy here, we recognize who Rudy is and Rudy's not a guy that's going to put 40 points on you. And so I, I think what you need to do is you need to see the backcourt playing the game that they do. Uh, and, and being as productive as they can. When you look at the at the United States team, they are a, they are a a guard oriented uh, uh, team. That's where they've had their success. Uh, Kemba Walker is you know he's done a great job for this team, and he's really kind of become a team leader, which you love to see. Um, you know, the guys that are leading this team are Donovan Kemba and Harrison Barnes. Those are the guys that are leading them point wise. They're the ones that are shooting the ball the most, and they're the guys that are really the enforcers, uh, you know, as far as this team goes. So I think you need to see that continued pressure. Uh, I think the advantage we have with Donovan is Donovan knows what Rudy likes to do. 
And and if anybody should step up in this game, I think it's going to be Donovan. I think you're really going to see him. Uh, you're going to see Spider play. He's going to have a huge game, and and that's going to be the difference. Uh, for France, they present serious challenges. You know, in in not only defensive but also offensively. Uh, they've they've uh, scored an estimated 123 points on a per hundred possessions. Um, the last time the two uh, the two teams met on the international stage, at least in a non non elimination pool play, was in the uh, 16 Olympics, and France shots 56 percent and still lost by three. Yeah, I I don't think that happens. I mean, either can- I think based on the talent that France has and the lack of talent, with all due respect to Team USA, that doesn't happen. Again. You know what? Keep saying that. And, and and I think it's that, true. I, well, I think that's something though that the coaching staff. I mean, let's talk about the fact that they have the best coach in basketball right now on the sidelines with them in Pop. Greg Popovich is the best coach. Period. So you don't think these you know putting these you guys are the scrubs. You guys are the backups to the backups. They aren't even the guys. You know, you guys aren't the guys. The the. NBA fans want to see. Do you think anybody's watching this in the United States? Do you think anybody really cares about this? What is it? FIFA? Oh, wait, no, that's soccer. What what do you what league is this? Who is this your I these guys are are gonna be fired up for this game. I'm not saying they're motivated. I'm just saying that I mean, look, it, who would you take? Damian Lillard or Jason Tatum? Who would you take? Russell Westbrook or I mean and James Harden or Kemba Walker and not Russell Westbrook. Marcus Smart. Yeah. Well, the, these are not the best players, American players. I yeah, you the I can't deny that. That's not true. Uh, but but the fact remains is that uh these are guys that want to go out and do that. And I and I my hat goes off to Kemba Walker. My hat goes off to Donovan Mitchell who it would have been very easy for them to sit back and say, nah, I'm not going to play. I need to rest. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, it's not worth it to me to play. Uh, France plays a lot of man defense. In fact, I haven't played any zone defense yet. If they do play any zone defense, I feel like it's going to be a problem for this team USA. But they're, they're not. You don't I mean, think they do? They're not. They're you don't not, think no, no, they no. get out of their shell and say, look, if we can, I mean. No. No, why would you? If you've not done it before, why would you do it now? That's throwing Team USA off. No. They're capable. Of, look, Nicholas Batum. I mean, look, these guys can do that. I mean, they're professional players. Evan Fournier? No. They're they're going to stick with what they know, what they've gotten them here. They're also coming off a loss. They just lost Australia. Australia yeah. in their last game. Who's, who's a good team? See, I like the scare against Turkey. I like the fact that USA had to come back and, and go to overtime and get the victory. And... uh and it's Nicholas Batum, by the way. Oh, it's a Batum Batum. He doesn't even have, deserve to have his name pronounced right right now. Uh, but just, I mean, they, they do have the size. I mean, it's they're they're starting five guys by the way for France. <laughs> All of them are six six or taller. Yeah, that, that, that's going to give the backcourt extreme problems because they've been able to drive to the hoop and do what they want, and they're only shooting thirty two percent from deep right now. That ranks eighteenth. Well, in the defensively Cup. though, I mean, how do you how do you do that? Then maybe you know they, they do have to go to the zone because they're not going to be able to guard Kemba Donovan. They're not going to be able to guard those guys outside the three point line. It's just not going to happen. So they're going to have to mix some things up, but. 
I, I just don't see him going to the zone. If that's what's gotten you, man-to-man has gotten you this far, that's what you're going to stick with. And let's face it, as Jazz fans, we all know how it goes. You can take all the chances in the world because you got the <laughs> stifle right. tower sitting down in the post waiting for you to bring it inside so he can swat it away. Um, U.S. has had better numbers playing small ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, based on the stats that I'm looking at right now, they've, they're they a plus 35 on per hundred possessions in 72 minutes. Uh, their big men have not really came through for them, to be honest with you. In fact, Miles Turner, for whatever reason, is uh, is uh, attempted only three three-pointers in 98 minutes. Brooke Lopez is 2 at 12 from deep. That, that's a huge problem. Uh, so it's, it's going to be interesting to see if they go to that, that small ball lineup versus a 6-6 lineup and they use Harrison Barnes more especially in that center position, or if they decide to stick with Miles Turner. Uh, but if I'm, I'm just saying that their perimeter guys aren't going to be as fact as big of a factor as what Miles Turner and Mason and, and Brooke Lopez and these guys are going to have to be. It just hurts me every time you say Mason Plumley. I mean, mm-hmm. just that's there's there's some college guys you should, <laughs> that probably could have played on this team. I know. Yeah, you know, you just look at at you know from the, from the post point of view. Somebody's going to have to have a game, uh, but at this point, you know who your stars are. You know who it is. Is there anybody that needs to step up? I think Middleton, uh, Chris Middleton, he's had kind of a quiet tournament. I think he's a guy that could really shine in this game, really step up and make a difference. All right, we got to go to break. Coming back, we'll get you uh, ready for the second hour. Coach Finkbeiner uh, will be joining us here on the Full Court Press. Dante Salas and John Russell, second hour of the Full Court Press, coming up here shortly. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. Coaches are always talking about, let's take it one game at a time. They try not to overreact to a win or a loss. But behind the scenes, you have to imagine the Oakland Raiders are very, very happy today. They beat the Broncos last night in their season opener. It's a great start to the season, and finally quiets all that noise about Antonio Brown that has hovered over this team all offseason. Head coach John Gruden tried to downplay the impact of the A-B situation. On Monday, we saw plenty of players stepping up. Quarterback Derek Carr missed just four passes all night. Rookie running back Josh Jacobs out of Alabama was solid. And Tyrell Williams, he looked like the number one wide receiver. The Raiders host the Chiefs next week and then travel to Minnesota. So who knows if they can keep it going. But for today, 1-0 has to feel really, really good for a team that was making headlines for all the wrong reasons the last month. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.